Welcome to Your Own Words, a podcast that celebrates the love of reading with real people and real books, both critically acclaimed and slated. Listeners are encouraged to read along and join the journey through the libraries of friends newly discovered. This podcast may contain spoilers, feminist rants, curse words and mispronunciations of names, cities and more. Great. How are you, Beck? I am pretty decent, though. Cool. Uh, welcome to the podcast, everyone. I'm Allison. I'm Beck. This is episode six. Episode six. Happy birthday. Thank you. Not happy birthday to episode six, just to clarify. Not every episode gets a birthday. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. It is my birthday, and I decided to celebrate. I wanted to sit in a dark room with my well, friends and talk about a be. really depressing book. <laughs> That's most days, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. So we're we're doing well here. Um, yeah, um, what has happened since the last time we podcasted? I don't know. It's been a really long time, I think. It feels what like forever. What has happened? You went to Canada and listened to Sarah McLaughlin or Drunk Maple Syrup or something? Yeah, I did all of those that's, things. That's what you do? Uh, I went to Canada. I celebrated my brother's wedding. Congratulations, Ben and Lindsay. Shout out to Riley, Olivia, and Aria, my nieces, who definitely won't be Adorable. listening to this podcast, but maybe one day they'll find it in a time capsule. <laughs> be like, this is what my weird aunt does. Yeah, please don't listen to it now. You're way too young. Yeah, way too young. Oh, God. <laughs> um, especially <laughs> not this episode, this is, this is not the place to start them. No. Um, they so can be some Jane Austen. Sure. Okay, cool. Just need to get it in there. <sighs> Never a day goes by. Where I mean, you triggered me. It's Yeah, I bought back a, yeah. a book that I found in Canada called Confessions of a Jane Austen Addict. I had genuinely forgotten all about that woman until you handed that to me. <laughs> Jane who? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she one right. of the Brontes? <laughs> <laughs> so hard to tell. Amazing. Oh, I also, um, since we last podcasted, learned how to podcast. <laughs> well done. Yeah. So should we write off the last five? Yeah. Don't even bother to listen to those because now, now we're really starting. I mean, I haven't learned. So yeah, well, you, we you were too busy working to come to the <laughs> master class with me. <laughs> That's true. So I went to a cast's a class um, for women uh, at the London Podcast Festival, which was fantastic. Uh, learned a lot of really good tips, like uh, one that we are just using now, which is wear headphones when you podcast. <laughs> We didn't want to look stupid or alienate ourselves from the other people. I in the thought room. it was going to feel um, weird. It actually is, is a lot better. It's totally fine, and which, now we can hear when we do yeah, dumb shit. It makes it makes sense as to why they say do that, really, because yeah, it, it does work. So thanks, Jen. I think it was Jen from Thank Acast. You. I'll edit. <laughs> <Yeah>. Jen, <laughs> you'll, you'll somebody amazing. In. We'll leave a gap. <laughs> and you'll put the name in later. I'll record the name under Underneath a duvet. Duvet. It's yep. fine. Uh, um, so that was amazing, and they had a special guest, uh, the gals uh, from the Red Handed podcast, which I love dearly. So mm-hmm. Hannah and Sarudi were there, and I fangirled at them a little bit, but then wound up going to the pub with them. So we had a really great night. Fangirling gets you a lot of places. I know, and now we're buds, and maybe one of them might come on the podcast. I was listening to Red Handed the other night because I couldn't sleep and it was like three in the morning and then I suddenly realized that that was not a fun thing to listen to at three in the morning no. and I kept jumping and there was a tree and it was waving around and I kept thinking someone's going to kill me. Hmm. So maybe more three in the afternoon kind of time, I think, that's, for all your murder podcasts. Yeah. Um, but it is great advice. and I do love it, hence why I thought, I know, I'll listen to a podcast that I love. They do have incredibly soothing voices. They do. It was weird to hear them in real life <laughs> and see them sitting there and being like, oh, you're real humans. But, so are we. Yeah. But sometimes. Yeah. 
Sometimes. Uh, so shout out Hannah and Srudi. Thanks for being awesome humans uh, as well as awesome podcasters. And helping me through my insomnia. Well, I mean, not so much helping. I didn't Helping you all. have insomnia. <laughs> it was, yeah, <laughs> cheers for that. Maybe, maybe nursery rhymes might get me a little bit further into sleep. Fair. All right. Uh, Should we dive into depressing book number let's, six? Yeah, let's do it. I'm so excited. Do you want to kind of start us off? Yeah, I think um, as well, it should be, we should note that this is, we're doing a virgin suicide today, so a um, bit of a trigger warning to anyone um, who might have experience of suicide. It's um, it's a tough read. It's a beautiful book, but um, I think it's best to just call that out at the beginning. Um, yeah. I'm going to introduce the author today, whose name I can definitely say because we practiced at we least did 12 practice. times. Jeffrey Kent Eugenides was born the youngest of three boys in 1960 in Detroit, Michigan, to a father of Greek and a mother of English and Irish ancestry. He went on to study the English honours programme at Brown and received an MA in creative writing from Stanford in the 1980s. He and I are super similar. We're going to be like best buds, <laughs> literally. Um, he said that he knew he wanted to be a writer from a very young age, citing the great modernist writers Joyce, Bruce and Faulkner as some of his earliest influences, with Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man as having a big effect on him in his younger years. For what he now calls quite amusing reasons, essentially both he and the lead character have really bizarre names. Um, but again, Joyce... And, and he and we're just there together. We're mm -hmm. loving it. It's wonderful. Um, so The Virgin Suicides was his first novel published in 1993. And over the following decade, between that and his second novel, Middlesex, he published a number of short stories appearing in The New Yorker several times. Middlesex was published in 2002, going on to win the Pulitzer the following year, as well as being a finalist in a number of other awards, including the International Dublin Literary Award, which I think Joyce would have really liked. <laughs> His third novel, The Marriage Plot, was published in 2011, um, and he is apparently working on a screenplay of that novel at the moment. He published a collection of short stories, Fresh Complaint, spanning 1988 to 2017 in 2017, and is said to be working on a fourth novel to be released at an unspecified date. Likes to keep us guessing. Um, he's won a bunch of prizes and honours, including the Guggenheim Fellowship, the Pulitzer, the Fitzgerald Prize, the Salem Book Award. He's been both longlisted and shortlisted for the International Dublin Literary Award, was a finalist for the National Book Critics Circle Award twice. Um, they were all for the marriage plot. And he won the Aga Khan Prize for fiction for today's novel, The Virgin Suicides. Um, so he is much loved um, by mm. lots of people. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so I found... Uh, a few different synopses on the interweb, uh, but this one from Amazon.com, not .co.uk, oh. um, I thought was really lovely. So let me tell you all what this book is about if you haven't read it. Uh, so as Beck said, first published in 1993, The Virgin Suicides announced the arrival of a major new American novelist. In a quiet suburb of Detroit, the five Lisbon sisters, beautiful, eccentric, and obsessively watched by the neighborhood boys, commit suicide, one by one over the course of a single year. As the boys observe them from afar, transfixed, they piece together the mystery of the family's fatal melancholy in this hypnotic and unforgettable novel of adolescent love, disquiet, and death. Jeffrey Eugenides evokes the emotions of youth with haunting sensitivity and dark humor, and creates a coming-of-age story unlike any of our time. Adapted into a critically acclaimed film by Sofia Coppola, The Virgin Suicides is a modern classic, a lyrical and timeless tale of sex and suicide that transforms and mythologizes suburban middle American life. 
That is a really good synopsis. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like that summed it up quite That's nicely. Great. I would really want to read that book as well. Me too. So I'm glad that we did. <laughs> and I read the synopsis afterwards. Um, Shall I introduce today's guest? Please do. Yeah. Um, so we have Lux Leal. Hi. Um, <laughs> who is a London-based singer-songwriter and poet. In love with the glamour, imagery and legend of old Hollywood and tired but inspired by the chaos of London life, she is currently working on her first solo album. Lux's first collection of poems, St. Valentine, was published in early 2019. Her new single, Switchblade Baby, released on September the 5th, is available to stream everywhere now. Yeah. Welcome to the show, Lux. Thanks for having me. It's been a long time coming. I've been, <laughs> I've been trying to get to Lux and I are friends uh, who didn't meet via an app. She no. reminded me today. Your first one. In my this room. first, <laughs> my <laughs> fir- the first person we've had. That's room. not true. I've had two colleagues on the show oh, yes, who true. I met through work. But, um, but yes, I, I happened to meet her in real life. Um, sort of through a book. Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely through a book. Yeah, a book that I hope we will talk about later. So um, I was doing a, a Q&A session with Pamela DeBar uh, about her many books, and Lux was there. And uh, what did I do? I came out looking for a lighter. Either you were looking for a lighter or I was looking for a lighter, and you were wearing a fabulous outfit. Oh, thank you. And I think one of us procured a lighter and then we got to talking. <laughs> the rest is history. Yeah, <laughs> the rest is history. And it led us to this day. Yeah. Not bad. That's Sometimes smoking. No, don't smoke. Don't it's bad. smoke. Books. It's really Books. bad. It's not smoking. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that was some great <laughs> healthcare <laughs> advice yeah. there from us. Well, we have lots, lots of that in this episode. <laughs> um, before we dive into, I mean, Judging by your name alone, we've got a lot to talk about um, with why this book means so much to you. But shall we ask some of our more standard yep. questions about who Lux is as a reader? Get yeah, to know her a little absolutely. better. Do you have any questions you'd like to ask Lux, Beck, since you don't know her at all? Yeah, that's that's true. Um, why books? What led you to the love <laughs> of reading? Um, okay, it's gonna, and writing. Well, it's going to be cheesy. When I was a kid, my dad traveled a lot for work, like constantly. And um, whenever he was at home with us, he made sure to read to me before I went to bed. Uh. So that started the whole thing of, you know, and then eventually I'm sure it got annoying when I was like, it's time. And he had just gotten off a plane or whatever. (laughs) But he always made time to do it because we didn't have a lot of time together at that point in my life. So I'd say he probably was the first person to get me excited about literature. And then as a child, when I would write whatever bullshit I would write (laughs) and show it to him, he was just amazing and he'd praise it and made me feel like writing was something I should do. And and he really encouraged it. And and my mother did as well. And my, my older brother, Ray, is a huge Hemingway fan. Like he's really into literature. So that I guess I guess it was a family thing I guess that's how how I got into reading which is bizarre because my dad apparently never really read himself he'd only ever read to me (laughs) besides the newspaper I don't ever remember him sitting down and reading a book he read the paper like you know so maybe it was a mutual (laughs) mutual discovery of literature that you got to have that's very cool yeah before I ask you the the, the main question, uh, don't even back. I'm not even looking at you. Um, how do you treat your books? Uh, 
let's let's talk about the condition of the two copies of the book that you brought in today. Okay. I mean, they're definitely in condition. <laughs> if ever I've seen a book that can be referred to as being in in a condition, these are these are variants of they. Yeah, can you um, can you tell our listeners about what what's going on? So. I'm kind of an asshole to my books. <laughs> um, my my boyfriend absolutely hates it because he's like, you're not meant to dog your pages. And oh my God, are you writing in it? And I, I am, I'm constantly annotating my, my books, probably totally in a huge self-centered way because I'm like, this relates to me, so I'm going to underline it. My first copy of The Virgin Suicides was from when I was in high school and I was about 16. And I read it to death, so it's falling apart. And it has my old name on it. (laughs) And it has notes in it throughout. And it's underlined in lots of, you know, hashtag same. Uh, (laughs) Without the hashtag, because that wasn't a thing Back in the day. The original hashtag. What did we do before hashtag? Was it just a lot of exclamation marks? I think so. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. and my, I, so I didn't want to rewrite in this old copy. So I ordered a new copy off Amazon and I was like, okay, I'm going to annotate this one and see where there are differences and like how I've changed and how I haven't changed. And, you know, based on how I reread this book that was so important to me growing up. And I promptly dropped it in the bathtub because <laughs> I do a lot of reading uh. in the bath. I actually do a lot of work in my bath. I read in my bath, I write in my bath, I research in my bath. And this is the first time I've fully dropped a book <laughs> in, in my bath. Well, it is a bit like on the nose, isn't it? Yeah. We've <laughs> dropped that in the bath. Yeah. Oh, no. I hadn't even made that connection. Yeah, yeah. I just did. Oh. I just did. Oof. Have you always done, have you always written in the margins and dog, is that just, was that a natural thing to Pretty you? Pretty much as, as, as soon as I got to an age, because my parents with books were very much like you don't leave them on the floor. You mm-hmm. don't write in your books. You don't, you know, you don't step on your books. Like it, You do not step no, on your absolutely books. Absolutely not. Like <laughs> Why if my are you parents, stepping on books? If my parents saw me even like kick my school books aside or something, they'd be like, you do not. You're so lucky that you have the privilege to be able to read. Yeah. You do not yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah. But I got to like high school, I think. And then I was like fuck it I'm gonna write in all my books <laughs> and it just became a thing of me being like I, I just couldn't I couldn't imagine not going back to that exact sentence mm-hmm. in a lot of the books that I had so I would I would underline and then I started dog-earing pages and then I started writing in the margins I got braver you know and yeah. started it doing escalated. It, it escalated <laughs> it escalated quickly and now you're full on just throwing them in the bath <laughs> I just throw them in the bath I you know I eat over them instead of using a plate it's metaphorical it's exactly <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said though because we often will take pictures of a, a phrase or a sentence that we've loved and share it whereas mm-hmm. you know in that just wasn't a thing that existed I was getting yeah. out my Polaroid <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> not that old I don't know yeah. <laughs> I made myself sound like I was from the 60s grab the quill I'm gonna... from where, when Jeff and I were studying school. <laughs> 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 like quick Jeff take a picture of this James Joyce quote um, but yeah you couldn't you couldn't do that so I, like the writing and uh, not that I I don't think I ever did write I, I definitely did with a pencil underline especially in poetry I would underline stuff right. but I think now I would take a picture in the same way that 
maybe I would have written or marked or dogged to go back to a sentence. I'm not married to either. I do both. There are books that I have, including the book I gave you today, um, that I felt so moved by the prose that I was just like, I remember the first time I was like, I gotta buy a highlighter because I don't have one. (laughs) (laughs) And then I bought a highlighter and proceeded to just go for it. And I was like, no regrets. But I don't do it often. I think it's only if I really, really really see something like that I just like have to. Mm. Um, If anybody wants to know, that book is uh, called The Love Artist by Jane Allison uh, with one L. Uh, I recommend (laughs) it highly. The prose is absolutely insane. Uh, Hopefully you enjoy it, even though I've given it. it to you. In the format that you don't appreciate, <laughs> we, which brings me we swapped formats. ever so casually to mm-hmm. arguably the most important question we're going to ask you today. I mean, it's the most important question. No pressure. For you, especially, because you are not I doing am well not in doing this game. Well. Don't let that influence you. You're still Follow my your friend heart. either way. <laughs> I mean, there's quite a stack of paperbacks in front of you what right now. What would you rather throw into a bath? <laughs> a plinth book <laughs> or a paperback? Mm. Actually, okay, so... You, your face is... Ju- you've just jumped I'm not even excitement. Gonna look, I'm not even You genuinely gonna, just sort of went I'm into a statue behind pose a sheet of, of paper. joy. Nope. <laughs> I am on the fence because mm-hmm. I am the person that throws my book in the bath and, you know, spills <laughs> wine on it and cries into it and also will just write all over it. So I will tend to do that with a paperback when I'm first reading a book. Right. And if I really love a book... I will go and get a beautiful hardcover edition of it that hasn't got my blood in it or whatever (laughs) so that I can have this beautiful hardcover edition, you know, that I treasure. Mm. But I tend to take paperbacks around with me because I can beat them up a bit. Okay. And I don't worry about it as much, but I do love a good hardback book. So for reading, it's paperback, and then for like posterity, it's hard. And for show best. and for bookshelving. That, I yes. mean, that makes sense to yeah. me though, because that works on what my issues are with hardback. Yeah, if you just wanted the, it for yeah. your collection. Yeah, the the di- like the reading it bit, that flexibility, I totally that makes complete sense to me. Yeah, I can I can work with that. You can have hard. that though. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. No, but I do always seek out hardbacks, yeah. even if the first time I read a book, it's paperback. Uh, if if like you said, if I love it. Yeah. Same with like if I love if I love something I listen to on Spotify, I'll buy the vinyl. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's exactly that. that. Like I don't need it because I can listen to it yeah. or or whatever, oh, I, but yeah, I want I, it. I want yeah. it in that beautiful yeah. format. You want the artwork, you want that yeah. And I want it on my shelf to prove how cool I am. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and how cultured. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay uh, do we take that as like a half and half? A, yeah, but that, I think that makes sense to both of us. So I don't think either of us argue with that okay. idea. Yeah, no, not at all. Hard back we, and, and Everybody wins. Yeah, we're all happy. You're oh. the first person to make <laughs> everyone <laughs> happy here. I'm also waiting to see like when someone is going to throw like a, Kindle? a Kindle in at us. No then you ask them or to Or an audio Oh my God, what happens if you throw a Kindle in the bath? <laughs> Do you get electrocuted? It's not good. Do they get electrocuted? I think it probably just dies. Did it die? I think it just dies. <gasps> How do you know what page you were on? There's so many questions. Yeah. I'm sure that someone's done a risk assessment for that in the Kindle office. The factories. The factories. The Kindle factories. Well, this is... <laughs> This took a turn that was not necessary for anyone. Maybe, Lux, if you're ever looking for a job, that will be like a book tester. Oh, like, yeah. You can just try, throw it against things, yep. toss it in things, and see. 
you know, Here, if let's it can take survive. this giant yeah. plinth. Well, this flooded my bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's a solid no. <laughs> the Works paperback the just stuff. absorbed, <laughs> so that's okay. And the Kindle killed me. So, so. <laughs> be careful of your electrical items in bathrooms, in people. Baths, it's yeah. it's actually no laughing don't, matter. Don't drop your <laughs> toaster in your bath. Have some space. Speaking no, of baths, so, no, speaking of baths, no. <laughs> um, Should we talk about the book? <laughs> so, speaking of bathtubs, uh, <laughs> horrifying. Um, <sighs> should we talk about what this book is about? This is this is one of the first books where we'd all read it, right? I mean, you no. obviously had. Did you not read the I'd book? I'd seen the film you only. Knew the f- you knew this. So you I knew, knew the story. story. So I think it's the first one where you all knew. We were all familiar. We were all familiar with it. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that's not necessarily good, but like. There's you, there's not many spoilers you can give away. Yeah. We kind of know we're introduced to the story in the first few pages with what yeah. is going to they happen. What the title kind of also suggests gives it away. Yeah. Um, what might happen? But um, Lux, do you want to paint a little paint a little picture of kind of how the book opens, where we go with that? Um, we'll jump in as well. But sure. start us off. I guess um, to me, so. It's about the five Lisbon sisters, but to me, I've always looked at the book as an example of kind of the the obsession that comes with being a teenager Mm. with whatever it is, whether it's, you know, the girls that live in the house across the street or the band that you love or whatever. And it's just reading it at 17 was sort of seeing things and relating to them in a way that at 27 I don't relate to them the same way now mm. which kind of makes me sad <laughs> um, but yeah. yeah for me it's always been like a story of obsession so it's about the Lisbon girls it's about how they kill themselves it's about these boys in the neighborhood sort of collecting artifacts like they're you know like there's this thing to study to try and like figure out why this happened and um, what led to it but overall for me it's always felt a little bit like a coming of age novel mm. in terms of just how how you think about things at that age yeah um because the book is told kind of it opens up it's told from the perspective of these neighborhood boys yes nameless kind of yeah faceless boys um i mean it opens with the bathtub scene yeah. the the initial suicide attempt by the youngest daughter or sister, uh, Cecilia. She tries to take her life um, by slitting her wrists um, and going into the bath. And from that point, there there's this kind of mythology around these sisters and how they recover and what happens next. And so, like you say, it's it's it becomes their obsession. Yes. And so we kind of follow through the eyes of these boys, them watching the family deteriorate, the house deteriorate, the you know and watching these girls kind of slip away yeah wanting to save them as well like kind of seeing what's going to happen before it happens and it's really interesting because I actually didn't think of it from that standpoint but I Mm. definitely was like an obsessive teenager and like things just you you get fixated on something and for these boys it was these these sisters it's a strange narrative in the sense that it's main characters you never really get to know mm-hmm. and the people who are telling the story are also not that important it's mm-hmm. it's, an, mm-hmm. it's a complete observation but you never the, the, the five Lisbon sisters you only ever see through this observational lens of like what might be what could be what you know what 
we, you never really know them. Absolutely. And the boys who are telling it are not, like their characters, their identities are not massively important. It's about what they're seeing and what they're interpreting. So it's quite a strange narrative in that sense because mm-hmm. you get these very pronounced characters in the five girls, but you're never in their heads. You never yeah. know what they're thinking or feeling or what's going on. And you're just getting this observation from these boys who... I mean, you you don't massively care what they're feeling or thinking, other than what the interpretation of those girls are. Yes. Yeah. Which, I, yeah, it. I think obsession makes it a really um, that theme of the what ifs and who are you is, I think, a character in itself often throughout the book. And also, I'd never until you said that I hadn't like. Then I was just like, oh yeah, like the main character is kind of obsession in this book. Yeah. I mean, when I was when I first. I first watched the film when I was around 15, so I was still in Cyprus at the time, and then I moved to the UK when I was 16, and I read the book. And at the time that I was reading the book, I had a project in school, and I went to an arts school um, because no one else would take me. (laughs) But (laughs) the the project was based on obsessions. And initially I was like, okay, what am I obsessed with? You know, and lots of people did love, and I was like, uh, and then a, a lot of other people did uh, what else did people do yeah people did like their boyfriends and their pets and whatever the fuck and I was just like okay this is fine um, I guess I'm obsessed with music so I did a section of it on musicians and then and then I went into uh, famous groupies because I did I was like what are their obsessions though so mm. <laughs> I took it there <laughs> and then I realized that I was obsessed with this book and this book was ultimately about being obsessed with something mm. in the way that you are when you are a teenager. So I did an entire photography po- project on on that, and I was very dramatic and got into character and, and wore 70s peasant dresses <laughs> to school almost every day for like three months or something and just listened to the soundtrack of the movie and the refused to listen to anything awesome. else. Yeah, yeah, the soundtrack is perfect. so good. It's, it's so, so perfect. perfect. And I forgot, because obviously it was so famous at the time when it came out yeah. and everyone was obsessed with it and I, I just completely forgotten until I watched the film the other day and I was like, oh my God, the soundtrack is fucking Yeah, brilliant. the minute it started, I was like, oh. <laughs> 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 it was almost like we rehearsed it. That we didn't, though. <laughs> live, live, not really. Okay, um, so... How did you discover this book? When did you find it? Do you remember? Oh, my God. I can't even... You know, I was trying to think about it the other day. I was like, how did I... How did I hear about it? I, I'm sure I heard about the movie first. And then I managed to convince some guy in my high school to illegally download and send me the film. Because I was like, I don't know how to do it. Can you do it? I'll give you cigarettes. And he was just like, yeah, okay, uh, whatever. And he sent it to me. And I watched it alone in my bedroom instead of, you know, doing whatever I had to be doing. And I was just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Like, I've never seen something that felt so relevant and so far away at the same time. And it was after that that I read the book. So the book didn't come until much later. I don't even remember going into the store to buy the book, which is nuts because I still have my my same copy. So yeah. I I don't know. It just became like a it just it just became like something that just I couldn't get out of my head and I had to then go and find out more about it, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um and I mean obviously if anyone has read the book, they may or may not have put together uh 
how much this book means to you based on your name, because <laughs> one of the sisters in the book, uh, her name is Lux, yes. Lux Lisbon. Can you tell us the story of, of, I mean, however it works for you, whether it's like, this is why I named myself right. Lux, or whether we start that with, this is why I connected with his book, and therefore. Um, so at the time, okay, I was just trying to get into music. I was 17 years old and, and making a lot of terrible decisions. And I was like, I need a stage name. I, I need a name that's not my name. I need a name that's like my, you know, my stage persona. And I was like, so who am I going to name myself after? And it was around the same time I was reading the book. And I was like, Lux, I, I just relate to her. I mean, reading it again, I was like, that's not good. (laughs) 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 At the time, I was like, yeah, girl, I feel you. So I was like, okay, I guess She is a little messed up. Get out on that rooftop. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. she's a little, I mean, no no one was coming to my rooftop. That's I waited, but nobody. She does have a, like, (laughs) (laughs) she does have a strength, I think, that the other Lisbon sisters don't have, even Mm -hmm. towards you. Like, she's the one that takes that role to sort of allow them to have the space that they need like she's the one that steps up and is like I got this she's always pushing the rules a little bit yeah and I think that's what I wanted because when I was thinking okay I'm gonna have to get up on a stage in front of people and be this person or I'm gonna have to you know whatever go in and record and be this person and I was like well you know she's she's concealed in her house and she's you know been told that she can't do all these things and she's kind of like whatever fuck you and she lights a cigarette and she goes out and she does it anyway and to me I was just like well that's not really me day by day but I think if I'm gonna step into somebody's shoes maybe that that'll be it so I wouldn't say that she's like a good representation of how I normally am but (laughs) when I need to put on like my fuck you jacket and go out like that's I guess that's how I was thinking about it at the time that's nice yeah sorry Bonnie (laughs) <laughs> sorry sorry I do, what I, did you ever do for anyone Bonnie <laughs> where were your vinyl records I mean on she the drank fire? she drank some of the peach now she did she have did. a little bit she was almost there and then she cried a little oh Bonnie Bless her. I mean I, they all cried they all cried <laughs> they all cried quite a lot yeah yeah bless them but we didn't no I, this is one of the one rare of, books this is the second, second book, book now second out cried. of six which is quite impressive yeah Ooh. We're on a new. Yeah. We're on a new swing. Things are looking up for us, and who <laughs> knew it was going to be the Virgin Suicides that made that turn? Do you have anything? I guess I think where I so similarly, I I saw the film first, mm-hmm. and I definitely and I watched it by myself in my. I think I was maybe thirteen, fourteen, in mm-hmm. the dark, in like the middle of the night, because yeah. I was a moody teenager. Yes, yeah. And I I remember I definitely remember thinking I have not seen young women sort of represented. In, in really any way and, and that's kind of is having any kind of depth to them like you do see in the film and the book like they weren't just sort of like pretty young girls going around high schools yeah. which was pretty much all I was seeing mm-hmm. um, and that really called to me and also that idea that you know, we've all, I mean, we've all been teenagers. I don't know why that sounds like a revolutionary thing to say because <laughs> we have been, but it's it's hard and it's difficult. And much like Cecilia says in the very first few pages, like obviously you've never been a 13-year-old girl. Yeah. You go through a lot of shit. Like your brain is a mess. Life is hard. Yeah. And it, the, the fact that you haven't been on the planet very long doesn't mean that it isn't. Yeah. And that wasn't really something that I saw in film 
or it was if it was hard being a teenager it was because the boy you had a crush on you know wasn't there for you yeah so I definitely that for me was definitely a way into maybe exploring emotion and looking at myself and how I thought and felt about things um and then when I came to the book similarly like that depth of it like you described as well um I don't know if it was the same for you or I think that specific moment that line in the movie where she says obviously doctor you've never been a 13 year old girl I remember saying something almost word for word to my psychiatrist when I was around 14 after I tried to kill myself. And they were like, what do you have to be sad about? Life's good. You're a kid. Like, you know, <laughs> everything's great. And at that time, my depression had just started to creep up. And I didn't understand that it was uh, something chemical that I couldn't control. So I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm sad about. And it makes me more sad. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't know. And I don't know how to navigate this. So when I saw that, I thought, oh, shit. Like, it's not just it's not just me, you know, despite thinking the world revolves around me all the time. It, it's not just me. It's it's a lot of a lot of young women. And yeah, it was a representation of a girl in high school or in junior high school in a movie who's outwardly like, you know, blonde and cute and whatever. And she is having a fucking bad time. And to me, I was just like, I just haven't seen films like that. I I haven't seen women represented like like that, like how I feel. Yeah. Just now I've been scoffed at for feeling that way. And, you know, you're just a kid. What do you know? And I'd never seen anything else, really. And the fact that I wanted to take her seriously because I wanted someone to take me seriously at the time. Uh, So I think that kind of is what struck a chord with me and it helped that I think a a couple of my friends were going through difficult things at around the same age and we were able to discuss them with each other and not make each other feel dumb the way, (laughs) you know, parents will make you feel, you know, totally unintentionally because they're just sort of like, they don't want to think about their kid going through that or at least for my parents that that was the reason they didn't want to think I was um, struggling that way and the way doctors like to make you feel um, even as an adult, <laughs> like <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about. And you're just sort of like, okay. Um, so I think it was just opening up this, this idea that it's just like, just because you're young and like you said, haven't spent as many years on this earth, it doesn't mean that you are unaware of all the things that could drive somebody to not want to be here yeah. anymore. Not necessarily that that's the answer. It definitely isn't. I, I don't think it is now but at the time that's how I felt and I really felt like I wasn't being taken seriously when I tried to talk about it yeah I I definitely felt when I first watched that film that it gave permission to like you just said to to young women especially in their friends to have more nuanced conversations about what they were feeling and I wasn't sat with my friends talking about some boy I had a crush on or talking about I don't know some sort of like crappy generic party or whatever like I was having more interesting conversations with my friends I I wasn't somehow like stuck in my wow word period of primary school and having conversations about I'm happy or I'm sad yeah that those were the conversations we, we were having but you weren't supposed to because you were 
just young a kid. and a kid and yeah. you weren't supposed to know about the nuances of emotion. And I think when I first watched that film, I thought, oh, hold up a second. You, like, we can and we should because if we don't, then this is what happens and this is what you feel. And people need to be maybe giving themselves more permission yeah. to express difficulty and struggle and it, it exists and it happens at whatever age you're at. Absolutely. And yeah. I think like for young people, it's so important to talk about mental health. It's so important to validate people's feelings and not just think like the the thing that always pissed me off <laughs> in the film. And even when I read the book again, that line, it always bothers me is at the end of the film when the guy throws himself into the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, oh. I'm, a I'm a teenager. I have problems. <sighs> that grates on me because I'm just like that's literally how most people thought about it I mean yeah. he does have problems and he's an adult and yeah like, exactly like, that's his problem yeah. like you have this sort of like arrogant swagger to you when you're a grown up which even even in both the book and the film when they're showing Cecilia the ink blotches yeah and it's almost this sort of like ugh, like oh for god's sake this bloody kid yeah so well you know children are people too yeah <laughs> and um, we all have emotions yeah. and it's, if you're a teenager then learning to articulate and express and communicate emotions uh, you're at the beginning stages of doing that exactly. so actually it, it's a lot harder in many ways and to everything's like, have these conversations sorry everything's like chemically heightened probably yeah. 10 times as much as it is at any other point in your life so I mean who doesn't understand emotions the way a teenager does I certainly don't feel the way I did then now about similar things you know so for me that I never understood that that concept of your kid so you don't know what it is to be in pain yeah I don't know I think it was a conversation that wasn't being had when we were we were younger we're all roughly you know in the same age bracket and um I mean for me I did not start trying to get uh, help for my mental health until I was about 30 Yeah, um, because I always felt very similar to this. It's funny. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't think of it that this until we started talking about it today, but I, um, I thought, well, my life hasn't been that bad. What do I have to be sad about? Yeah. yeah. Even, even as an adult, like, well, you know, I wasn't abused as a child. I, I, you know, grew up middle class. I never really wanted for anything. I, I've traveled the world and I've lived in three different countries and I do what I want and I have great parents and yeah. what do I have to be sad about and other people have it worse off I think, other people have it worse as well yeah. Yeah. yeah there's so many people that deserve to be sad more than yeah. I do so I need to suck it up and I'm just being dramatic which I am a dramatic person so it's very <laughs> easy for me to be like well you're just being like an extreme yeah. person because that's who you are you're extremely happy when you're extremely happy you're an exhibitionist when you're an exhibitionist yeah. um, I'm also a crazy hypersensitive introvert which nobody believes but it's a hundred percent true I have like the lowest self-esteem in the universe um but I remember when my doctor when my GP uh, you know I kind of opened up to her about how I was feeling and how I've been feeling my entire life um you know they always say like on the questionnaires in the NHS like oh how long has this been going on I'm like as long yeah. as I can remember in the last six months have you felt sad I'm like no I just have always I felt sad for the last 30 <laughs> no one has years. let me feel sad <laughs> I've been screaming since I got out of the birth canal yep. and I'm still screaming screaming yeah. into the void um <laughs> but I remember when she said have you tried antidepressants 
I started crying. And she immediately was like, no, 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 don't worry. Like, it's not <laughs> a bad thing. She's like, no, it's not a bad thing. Like, it's it's not even a, like, life sentence. You know, it's yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, I'm crying with relief mm. because oh, you have validated yeah. that this is not how I should be feeling. And, and that, yeah. that something is heard. wrong here and has been wrong. And maybe I should have spoken up sooner because yeah. I would have gotten that help. And even after that, it's taken me like three years to find medication that has actually worked for me. And it's finally helping, yeah. which is amazing. But what if I had never had that conversation? Yeah. You know, I would still be feeling that way and feeling like this is normal. I'm just not dealing with it as well as everybody else yeah. is. Yeah. So, but I think that's like you kind of hit the nail on the head with that. If like if I'd have spoken up earlier, we're still really bad at having that conversation. Yes. Oh, yeah. We're still not good at it. And what was interesting about me reading this book, and I, I, I guess it was fifteen years ago that I read it, and so I had that reaction of, oh, you can be sad, and I had the same reaction again when I was reading it now and thinking, hold up a second, I should be better not I should be better but it's it's still a challenge to say I'm struggling a bit right now like I'm I'm having a hard time and I should be exactly like you said like things are not that bad I've got awesome cats like my life is heaven (laughs) I'm always surrounded by love too much love they're way too affectionate but it's (laughs) like things are not that bad and other people have it worse and why am I complaining well maybe maybe I just feel bad today and maybe that's okay and we're still not good at just accepting and allowing and giving ourselves permission to feel something we always apologize and we always apologize for it and we always look to excuse our own feelings by some external validation or external measure of care and love whenever it is exactly which actually just completely invalidates the fact that i feel something right now and whether it's joy or sadness, like we have to get better at saying I feel something right now yeah. and communicating that to people. Yeah. And I think people, I mean, it's like none of us want to fucking feel like this. <laughs> it's it's no. not like you wake up one day and you're like, you know, it would be dope if I tried to overdose <laughs> for the third time. That would be great. <laughs> Nobody wants to feel Take like me my that. knife. You know, like, seriously. Like, yeah. no one wants that. So by telling us literally, hey, your life isn't that bad. It's like it's like okay, salt in the wound. I know yeah. my life isn't that bad. I don't understand that why makes I it feel worse. this way. You're making it worse. Yes. It is also mad to me that healthcare professionals still have that response. Yep. Like the amount of time it's like, oh, but you're you you know you're a pretty young woman and you've got all and you've got a career and you've got this. I'm like, why are you telling me that? <laughs> like, I'm aware. If I just burst into tears to you and said I feel bad, the response is, oh, well, you shouldn't feel bad because things are great for you. Yeah. Or no, no, my favorite, like, have you tried exercising? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I can't even get out of fucking bed to make a coffee, let alone go for a run. Seriously. Yeah. Can you calm down? <laughs> yes, I've tried exercise. Yeah, I've tried yoga. I've tried meditation. Yeah. I can't get my brain to stop spinning long enough to meditate. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, of course I fucking tried exercise yeah. first. Do well, you so think I want to be popping pills? I'm not Maybe stupid. A yeah, like, <laughs> depends on the pills. <laughs> that, we do not condone. No, no. <laughs> no popping. No, no pills popping recreationally. pills. Um, there is a thing as well. It's exactly that thing of like, you're you, you may be struggling with your mental health doesn't mean that you're an idiot it doesn't mm. mean that you're not capable of putting yeah. thoughts together it doesn't mean that you're not capable of going oh i feel a bit bad maybe i'll try and this will cheer me up maybe i'll speak to a friend you don't suddenly lose the resources that you have as human being you just struggle to hold them together yes in a way which makes you feel good yeah. and there's that constant thing of like have you tried this have you done this have you thought about this i'm like no i'm i haven't lost like the capacity the capa- to think exactly I'm just struggling to want to like, right now come on oh I need a little bell ding 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 on the nose yeah absolutely yeah 
So, I mean, that said, I mean, you said, obviously, you don't feel the way about things now that you did back then. So what was it like? And have you sat down and kind of compared the notes and the things you were underlining (laughs) in this book in your first version and in your bathtub version. Oh, yeah. Um, and, like, what I'm did not, you find? I'm not sure bathtub version is. Oh, yeah, sorry, <laughs> Cecilia, RIP. To be fair, she did not succeed. That's true. On that time, she right. lived, Do you she have lived a, through the bath. dropped it on a fence, Raymond? Yeah, she went, it on, right. she went big, man. She, yeah. Well, you that know, scene, go big or go sound, home. The sound oh, they oh. described, the sound and the hearing you know, her the, fall. It's the lurching, it's the trying to lurch oh, off and get to the The dad, That physicality of it is hard i also don't turn around to that kid and tell her she doesn't have problems yeah fuck you you know right (laughs) because if you don't have problems you don't throw yourself on a fucking fence well i mean exactly i i basically passed out woke up in a hospital with a nurse like one inch away from my face screaming what do you have to be upset about and i was like where am i and am i if i'm dead and this is hell i want to go back (laughs) (laughs) holy shit um and it was like down down to the point that you are in the hospital and someone is stitching you up Mm -hmm. they're still yelling at you because you shouldn't be sad and you've done something bad as well i think it's often a thing like people are often pissed off with you that you've behaved in this way yeah. as if like was I, I wasn't doing it to offend you yeah, I just, sorry I didn't think I like, would be here for yeah. your reaction I was supposed to so, die right now okay yeah. <laughs> like, I wasn't supposed to get told off after but there is that thing and some I don't know if it's sometimes because people don't know what to say I definitely think that's a part of it because we don't have this conversation so people don't know what to say yeah. so they get defensive and they get scared and they attack Yes. and they go on this like what's wrong with you why did you do this why have you done that and they attack you well oh, and also yeah. like why would you do this to me? Yeah, Why would you do yeah. this to me? Yeah. If someone is hurting and they behave in a way which hurts them, then you do not respond to them like they've hurt you. Yes. You respond to them with kindness and love. She didn't get a chance to answer my question. I can't remember <laughs> what your question was. What did you underline in the new version versus the old version? Okay, so I, <laughs> I studied uh, literature and creative writing at Goldsmiths University. And um, yeah. Hey, hey. High-fiving across the table. Uh, I studied nothing. <laughs> um, it's okay. I, I was drunk for most of the university. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember it. <laughs> Great. Makes uh, me feel better. I just went this way to have somewhere to live. Like, that's literally... <laughs> I just woke up with a copy of Ulysses, like and I was like, I was supposed to read this? <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> uh, and basically, I looked at how I was underlining things in my current copy, and I'm like... You're you're underlining like thematic things or like oh. a- analytical things, and I was like, all right, cool. You made some interesting points. Go you. And then I looked <laughs> at my copy from when I was seventeen, and it was like, fuck that boy because he didn't call me back. <laughs> and you know, just yeah. like it's an emotional response. It's an emotional response. Completely, all the emotional aspects of the book. I was like, same. Like I feel that I'd underline stuff and just put hearts around it all <laughs> over, and like just. But the two things that I did. Under, I did underline two of the same things, which were the playlist mm-hmm. when they're it's playing beautiful. each other music oh, yeah. through the, the phone. phone. Yeah, because yeah. I remember going up and looking up every one of those songs. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I wanted to hear their conversation. Yeah, it's such a beautiful moment. Oh that. gosh, yeah. so so good. And so many of those songs, maybe not when I f- definitely not when I first read it, also, but now I know so well and mean so much to me. So mm-hmm. now when I was reading it again, I was like, oh, that. 
that is a good like tune. Carol King. Oh my yeah. god, that's exactly Don't what I was thinking. Don't play Carol King down the face and some suicidal girls. Jesus, what is wrong? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want them to get far away. <laughs> you want you got a friend, people. Oh yeah, that's a better Carol <laughs> King. That's what you need. One <laughs> fine day, feel a little happy about it. Bring some pep into your step <laughs> like, before you step off the chest. Christ, yeah, they really hit you there. Yeah, yeah. So what was the other one you underlined the same? So the other one I underlined that was the same was actually the quote where they're talking at, towards the end where they're talking about they they feel like they've come to some sort of conclusion of why the girls have killed themselves. Mm. Yeah. Um, do you want me to, should I find it? Yeah, yeah find okay. it. It's <laughs> oh, I can see the hearts. Oh, yeah. Lots can we of... take some, like, pictures of some oh, of the pages for Insta? Sure. I mean, I'm dating the boy that that, that I was after when I started <laughs> reading this when I was a teenager. That's, so. that's brilliant. Shout I mean, Doug. yeah, it's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> How much of this book are you trying to turn into real life? <laughs> <laughs> Just, <laughs> do we, should we get some Carol King Is on he your, now? Um, what, is he your Trip Fontaine? Trip Fontaine. No, actually. Trip Fontaine is a dick. Trip He's Fontaine not is my Trip a dick. Fontaine. If He's anyone has sex with you on a football, football field, field and then abandons you there, they are not the man of your dreams. No. I think one of his friends was my Trip Fontaine. Uh, Small towns, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely. He was one him. of the boys across the street. He was one of the boys across the street. Yeah. And oh, that guy that is, is now hopefully sitting in rehab somewhere going, she was the still point of the turning yeah. room. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think I underline the quote. They had killed themselves over our dying forests, over manatees maimed by propellers as they surfaced to drink from garden hoses. They had killed themselves at the sight of used tires stacked higher than the pyramids. They had killed themselves over the failure to find a love none of us could ever be. In the end, the tortures tearing the Lisbon girls pointed to a simple reasoned refusal to accept the world as it was handed down to them, so full of flaws. Yeah, it's a brilliant... It's... Yeah. It's That's a brilliant quote. Yeah, because yeah. it's like... You know, you're a teenager. What problems do you have? And it's yeah. like all of those, all of the ones you left me yeah. and your parents yeah. exactly. Left me. I'm yeah. very yeah. aware of all of those things that you think I'm too dumb to understand. Yeah. And that actually, I had a note that we should discuss because this book is just just past its 25th anniversary. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that quote actually, to me, is the answer to the question: Does this book stand the test of time? Yeah. Me too. Absolutely. And. At first, I didn't know what I was going to say, and then you reading that was like, yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah, because it's worse now than it was then. Exactly, hundred percent. And yeah, we, you know, we're bringing kids into this world. Yeah, I mean, not any of us in this. No, world. God, no, I <laughs> not going to happen. I'm bringing dogs and cats <laughs> into cats, this world. Honestly, and what kind of life are we giving yeah. them? What are we leaving to them? Um, you well, know? can you imagine? As I was watching. So I reread the book this time first and then I watched the film. And as I was mm-hmm. watching the film, I was saying, can you imagine that world with like social media chucked on top of it? Yeah. And so even like in the book, there's loads of like um, the reporters coming and trying to find out. Imagine if those kids across the street, the bad kids, the Trip Fontaines, so all of the young boys that were sort of like having sex with Lux. And in, leaking out, her nudes and leaking, or some yeah, shit. Yeah. Right? Like it's... Leaving nasty we comments all have, on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. We have the same... You know, we deal with it. Also, when you're a kid, you literally you literally live in an oppressive environment. Your parents are in charge. They they control things. Yeah. You live in their home. You don't have the freedoms to go off and do what you're wanting. Like, to express yourself and become who you are can often feel really difficult because you're living under someone else's roof and therefore you're living under someone else's rules. rules. If you add on top of that the fact that 
the world around you is this sort of shiny, happy, glossy portrait of what we should be all of the time yeah. and you can't even find yourself, like, that would tip me over the edge. Yeah. God, yeah. It's almost, that reminds me of that, uh, that bit about uh, the boys when the girls get kind of um, the parents basically put them on lockdown take them out of school shut them in mm. so that they you know are protected which you know obviously doesn't end up working mm. out in the end because they didn't necessarily need protection yeah. from the outside world they kind of needed the outside yeah. world yeah. but the way that they connect is by ordering all of those like magazines and travel yeah. diaries it's yeah, almost yeah. like you know Instagram yeah. in a way like all these Escape. beautiful places yeah. that we've, we, we can't yeah. go or we feel that we can't go um, clothes you know, they would never wear. Clothes right? they can't that wear, kind of like a lifestyle that they uh, can't attain. Yeah. Is that escapism? It's, it's exactly yeah. what, even as adults, you know, in this in this age of social media, are constantly kind of living through and comparing our realities to. Oh, God, yeah. So, you know, it may not talk about those things in this book because it, they didn't exist at the time, but the themes the are themes still there. Exactly the same. Yeah, the yeah, feelings absolutely. are still there. Those inadequacies yeah. Are still there. Yeah, yeah. True. I, I think um, so. We all we've all watched the film and the book. What, yeah. we haven't watched the book. I've watched the book yeah. fall into Lux's bathtub, <laughs> <laughs> and you've no, watched me hair dry it. <laughs> I sent you a video of me trying to dry it. Yeah. Yeah. I've watched. <laughs> and say, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um, yeah. I mean, when, so we we all watched the film first. I think. Yeah. 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 Um, and it. I was quite surprised that the film also aged quite well mm-hmm. in it terms did. of the book. I really yeah. enjoyed I was well, because I remember the first time I watched it, just thinking, wow, like, I'm feeling so much from this. And I was a bit nervous about re-watching it now, especially I literally put down the book and started to Same. film, and I was like, oh, is this really going to fuck it up for me? But I thought it was, it was a great adaptation. They yeah. used the book really well, and the only thing that I felt was slightly lacking was it felt very quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that deterioration, which in the book feels really powerful mm-hmm. and really emotional just was a little bit lacking for me yeah yeah I, I agree on that so i feel like the de- the description of the way that house deteriorated yeah their lawn the smell that started coming out of the house yeah uh, the roof tiles falling off it the flies sticking to the windows yeah. oh yeah, yeah those they're sh- i forget they're, i forget what they're called the mayflies or shad mayflies, flies yeah, i think yeah. they're fish called flies? fish flies that they come out of the actually, water they, yeah. these things exist it's horrifying they're <laughs> like one of my greatest fears um but yeah the way that you know the windows get so dirty mm-hmm. that like the girls are making little like yeah. things to look out of that is not represented not, in the film at all yeah, and no. that for me was one of the most compelling parts of the book yeah. me too and i think that was because um i feel like that too because Oftentimes, what I don't love about film adaptations, even though I love this movie Same. so much, yeah, yeah. agreed. Um, and I love the imagery and I love like the beauty in it, but I really think that in the book, it's not as glamorous. Yeah. This this yeah. being caged and not showering and depression the way depression is to the point where you know their mom is so depressed that she's not making them dinner anymore so they're scavenging and in the cupboards to try and find food their dad is so depressed that he has no idea what's going on and he doesn't even realize when his daughters haven't been to school for weeks and he teaches at the school yeah Yeah. you know it's those things in the the movie i feel are kind of um they're kind of uh, substituted for something a little bit more visually appealing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
which is fair because you know it's film but for me that that lack of because it wasn't until I reread the book that I realized how little that misery is glamorized Mm -hmm. Mm. and that was important to me because there is nothing glamorous about it there's nothing glamorous about feeling that way Mm -hmm. and I think especially for uh, young people especially for teenagers it's it's important that they realize that you know there there is nothing great about it it's you know just like movies about drugs or excess or whatever look really glamorous and then you, you're throwing up on yourself yeah. at 7 a.m. while everyone's <laughs> going to work and it's not glamorous yeah it, there's nothing cool about it there's nothing kind of you know that makes you they, they weren't mysterious because they were depressed they were mysterious to these boys because they couldn't understand their depression yeah mm-hmm. so and it's intense I think I think the thing that is lacking for me in that way in the film is in the book it feels really intense yeah and it is intense to feel that way mm-hmm. and I think part of it is because again because you're not in the minds of these girls and you're just observing them that actually seeing that deterioration of the house seeing everything fall apart right it gives you something of that emotional pain that they're experiencing yes. you can't get in their mind no one ever can get in the mind of someone else yeah. no matter well, how much they understand way. them and it's not written that way so the fact that you're seeing it decay you're seeing that deterioration no one stops washing themselves or mowing the lawn or whatever if you're not feeling horrific yeah. and it gives you that intensity of what they must be feeling so then when you get to the point where all of the girls commit suicide you feel it you get it yeah. they have gone through that they have hit the absolute hells and there's now you're coming back from it exactly and in the film it feels a little bit rushed because you're not seeing the intensity of that decay yeah which is something i missed i think in the film i I missed the element of almost like this plague which seems to start in the beginning of the book with the fish flies and then with you know the smells and then and it's almost like this plague starts and it hits all of the girls and then it hits the town the trees as well and the trees get the elms are all getting cut down because of some some, some disease, yeah. yeah. So I, I missed that. I, I thought that that was missing from the film for me. Um, it's a great film. I, I love it as a film, as yeah, a standalone piece. And yeah. I think if you don't, when you haven't literally put down the book and then read and, and then watched and then watch the film, you probably you would, won't pick up on it yeah, as much. Yeah. But because I literally within a space of five minutes went from one to the other, I was really aware that the thing which had really pulled me into the book and pulled me into the girls in a way that you know you're not. You, you're not hearing their stories you're just observing them but that really connected me to them I think and in the film I felt less connected to yeah, them yeah. because I did it like it is a bit glamorized it's just sort of like this sort of so shiny hazy it's very, it's very quick and easy it's like oh well now I'm sad <laughs> <laughs> now we're lying on Oopsie, the floor my head's and, and we're in. sad and you know we, yeah. we look beautiful and we're miserable and that's usually not I mean those things don't really go hand in hand in, yeah. in real life um I don't know, maybe for some people. Um, but yeah, I did I did think that that was something that could have been emphasized more. Right. So, Lux, who would you recommend this book to and why? <laughs> you know, feels like a simple question for probably a, it's a very <laughs> yeah. complicated answer. I want to say I would recommend it to... To anyone who felt that way at that time, because, I don't know, I guess 
things are so different now. I'm, they're not hugely different. But things are quite different now in terms of how we we talk about mental health. And I think kid kids at that age now, from you know the the kids that I'm in contact with because they like my music or whatever. Like from what I've heard from them, mental health is a much more open discussion. Mm-hmm. But I think anyone who has ever gone through that at that time and just felt unheard um, or like, you know, they needed to prove something. I think it's an important book for that just because it, like we said in the beginning, it just allows you to feel how you feel. Mm-hmm. So Lux, have you selected a quote to close with? Yes, I'm actually going to close with a quote that I love and that you love Yay. from the book. We could never understand why the girls cared so much about being mature or why they felt compelled to compliment each other. But sometimes after one of us had read a long portion of the diary out loud, we had to fight back the urge to hug one another or tell each other how pretty we were. We felt the imprisonment of being a girl, the way it made your mind active and dreamy, and how you ended up knowing which colors went together. We knew that the girls were our twins, that we all existed in a space like animals with identical skins and that they knew everything about us, though we couldn't fathom them at all. We knew finally that the girls were really women in disguise, that they understood love and even death, and our job was merely to create the noise that seemed to fascinate them. That's awesome. I also love that quote. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah. Thank you for choosing this book, um, and thank you for being so open um, and in sharing kind of your own story with us. I'm all about oversharing. I, so. I, I appreciate it and <laughs> yeah. I think our listeners will too and, and I just want to thank you honestly for yeah. for that. Well, thank you for getting me to read this book again. I, agreed. Um, <laughs> yeah, no yeah. problem. Um, <laughs> and I, I think is, yeah, just it's, um, it's great to start a conversation about those difficult things yeah. and to use whatever tools we have around us and resources and I, I think the thing that I learned from rereading this book and that you touched on yourself is that things can change. Yes, and absolutely. no matter how much of a hole you feel in, and it is, you like feel that hole, like express it. It's valid. Yeah. Like be heard for it. It's not wrong, or you're not belittled for being there. Yeah. But things can change, yes. and if you can talk and start that conversation with whoever the hell it is, even if it is your pet dog or cat, I think we've all been there. Yeah. Just start that conversation, and things. They take time and it's not always easy, but they do change. And that is, for me, what I learned rereading this book because, you know, you, you, you read it and you feel it as a young person and you look back and you think, God, I, I felt some things then and I feel some things now, but yeah. those things are different and they've changed me and I'm a better person because of them. Yeah. Um, I also think that it is important for us um, just to any listeners that might be having these sorts of feelings, um, I want to do the responsible thing and and ask you to um, seek someone to talk to. Um, here in the UK, um, you can call Samaritans. It's 116123. Uh, it's 24-7 hotline you can speak to. Um, and for children and young people under 19, uh, if you're nervous about the number showing up on your phone bill, um, you can call 0800-1111. That number will not show up on your phone bill, and you can speak to someone. Um, it is important to speak to someone, so we urge anyone struggling with those feelings um, 
to to do that. Can I just add on to that? If you're in London, um, the Samaritan's main office, which is in Soho, you can turn up there and speak to a person face to face between nine and nine every single day, 365 days of the year. You can just turn up there. You can talk to someone. They will listen to you if you do not feel safe being by yourself if you are not able to make that phone call because phones are scary like you can go and speak to a person and you can stay there and be someone safe every single day of the year Amazing. all right well um thank you everyone for for listening and tuning in i think this was a really important book for us to do um uh, if you like this podcast, I encourage you to um, to subscribe, uh, rate, and review. It helps other people find this content, uh, some of which I think, like today's episode, might be very important listening, um, I would like to think. Um, you can find us online at yalepod.com. If you have a book you'd like to discuss, uh, please come and talk to us. Yeah. And you can apply on yalepod.com. There's a little application form. Tell us about your book. Uh, it can be a book of any genre, of any style. Um, picture books are fine. I love <laughs> describing images. Um, you can do it on Skype. You can come in and speak to us, whatever way works for you. Yep. Um, and follow us online. We've got a Facebook group, Facebook page, um, at YaoPod on Instagram and at YaoPod on Twitter. If you want to uh, chat to us at any point, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Um, so thank you for listening, and we'll uh, see you in a couple weeks. Uh, until next time, Your Own Words is hosted by Alison Dunnings and Becky Graham. It is recorded in London at the Pitch Room in Runway East, Soho. Theme music by Natasha Pasternak. Read along with us at yowpod.com. Yowpod.